Hi, I'm Noelle. And I'm Mariana. And this is The, the Bliss, Bliss Project. Project. We decided to start this podcast to share topics and information we are both passionate about. And our intention is to share a positive message as we dive into wellness, spirituality, self-love, alignment, and how life evolves along the way. And while having fun, of course. So join us each week as we connect, explore, and grow with one another and, and you. you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Bliss Project. On today's episode, which is episode 16, we have our lovely guest, Abby Glass. And we are so looking forward to this conversation. I know for myself, this is so important. It's about miscarriages and loss and infertility. And it's, you know, timing is perfect because October is Miscarriage and Loss Awareness Month, something I wasn't even aware existed. But I know the conversation helped me greatly with dealing with my own process of miscarriage and just having a better understanding of the tools and the processes and just how it affects everybody so differently. And the fact that we have the opportunity to share this conversation with you is just so important to us, especially because there's so many women and not just women, but families out there that are experiencing uh, these kinds of, of situations. And the more information that we can share and and bring to light the better we really do just want to to share you know the experience of abby uh and and what she does in order to help her community uh, process these kinds of situations and share with you her program and all the thing that she's doing within her community to help with fertility adoption miscarriage loss it all so enjoy Today, we are so excited to welcome our friend, Abby Glass. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this with me. So appreciative. We're appreciative of you to have you here. Mm -hmm. And And for this conversation. I know. And we really just want to uh, start the conversation by having you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what is it that you specialize in? Yeah, thank you. Well, I am a marriage and family therapist for about 24 years. And I really started in the realm of all child development and families, and then evolved into a practice of individuals and couples and working around communication skills, marriage relationships, depression, anxiety, and then trauma and grief and loss. Um, I've always valued my own growing and learning as I support others and theirs. And I spent a lot of years doing something called Gestalt Awareness Practice, which I incorporate a lot into my own practice. In my late 20s and 30s, I hit my own journey with infertility. And over time, I grew my practice into one where my specialty was infertility, adoption, and surrogacy. Every avenue of growing families in every alternative way became my specialty. Mm. And unfortunately in this field, there's so much grief and loss along the way, um, emotionally and physically. And I also developed a particular specialty doing workshops for years with women to process miscarriage, early loss and stillbirth. So my, that is where my practice is. It encompasses all of those pieces. It takes the whole picture of the family dynamic. Like it gets the, you encompass everything. And like, it sounds like your own personal journey has led you there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
it's <laughs> it's the early stages through the, the relationships through birth and through growing those families. And how yeah. your own personal journey like led you into this work? Like you said, you had this point where you started going through your own journey of infertility and how that shifted mm-hmm. the work that you did. Yeah, hundred percent added to my work. Um, I, I was born wanting to be a mother mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and I, of course, never expected that it would be a really challenging road. And I don't think anyone imagines that when they're ready, if and when, that it won't be their human right to just grow their family. Um, My first pregnancy turned into my first miscarriage and it was extraordinarily painful. And I went into my own reproductive treatment at the time and I suffered two more miscarriages. Um, I was already a therapist at that time and I had a doctor that I was working with that asked me if I would see his patients that were going through this kind of grief and loss. And also if I would help those parents, if they found out that they needed to transition from using their genetics to other genetics via egg donation, sperm donation, embryo donation, or adoption, uh, would I work with them? And at that time I, definitely was, I wasn't ready. My family wasn't on the planet yet. And I hadn't done my own work internally. I hadn't done enough work inside to be able to help someone else on this road. Um, At some point for me, and it's everybody's journey is so personal, but at some point for me, it became overwhelmingly clear that I needed to be a mother and I could not wait. And I knew that at that time I was drawn to adoption and for me, international adoption. And that's what I do. I help guide people to what their choice is. And there aren't always, there aren't always exact words for it. And so it's, it's finding that place in them for what their choice is to grow their family. Um, I looked at the countries that were open at the time And I instantly felt connected to Guatemala for several reasons. Um, And so once I made that decision, nine months later, I brought my son home Mm -hmm. and he was three months old. And and, um, another amazing piece that definitely was a part of this transition for me is I read an article about adoptive breastfeeding and it was one of the losses for me um, because I wanted to nurse. And so I started nursing him with a supplementer with my friend's breast milk. But in within two weeks, I was making breast milk. And it was like a miracle on top of miracles. And it's amazing. It was amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing it what our bodies can do. Like, it's amazing that like that maternal connection can that's, allow that's for what that. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, like you had so much love and connection to this child, even though he, you didn't birth him, right. that your body knew what it needed to do it's to serve him. Totally unbelievable. And, and he was half of that equation too. It was pretty 
remarkable. Uh, I wasn't making the supply that he probably would have needed naturally um, at about eight and a half months. Um, and then I got pregnant. Of course. So <laughs> we That's how say, it happens. <laughs> we say that he threw my body into a different gear. And yeah. so it's actually, that's the story that gets repeated. So we hear it a lot. Um, and so statistically, it doesn't happen as much as we think it does because we just hear it more. Yeah. Um, so, so my kids are uh, 17 months apart Wow. Uh, by that way. And when my daughter arrived on the planet, I was clear that I really needed to do this in my practice. And so that's, that's, that focus became really clear. And, and I worked to create that in the, for the last 15 years, that's been my specialty. That's amazing. I mean, it's such an inspirational story. Um, and it, it leads me to where our next question goes is the program that you created around loss and miscarriage. Um, and what led you to develop the program obviously was your own experience, but why you felt this was such an important program to get out there. Mm -hmm. So this statistic is out there, but one in four pregnancies is a loss. Mm -hmm. And I can only see one woman at a time. And when I was going through it, there were books about other people's stories or ways to lean into your religion or your faith. And I am completely in support of that. But those two things together weren't, weren't enough for me when I was going through that kind of grief. Um, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I had a lot of tools as a therapist. And when I was in the throes of that kind of pain, I just would have done anything for some direction, for some holding, for Absolutely. Mm -hmm. something, 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 throw to, me about yeah. place. something yeah. to anchor you for sure. Yes. That's actually what I named it is move through miscarriage. Um, and so I created this program. That's a compilation of all the things that I did with myself, with my husband, around exercises and rituals and ways to talk about it and education about what's actually happening. Um, figuring out what a woman might need, how to ask for those needs. And those lessons go far beyond, beyond this, but um, asking in those moments of grief is hard. And a lot of women don't know how to even identify it or ask what they are. I mean, figure out what they are. Um, and I want it to be far more accessible than just in my city, in my office, one hour at a time. And this is a way for that to happen because it's, it's online and people can get it. And our culture doesn't deal with grief and loss in general, when it's something like a miscarriage, early loss or stillbirth. And it's something that's not tangible for the people on the outside. There's even less awareness on how to, how to be supportive. Yeah, um, and that, that makes it feel essential to me now. And we've all experienced isolation in a profound way in the last 
year and a half to two years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And miscarriage <laughs> is one of those things that was not never talked about publicly enough. Um, and women feel extremely isolated in it. Um, and that, that was all going on before we had this cultural isolation through the pandemic. Well, and I feel there's so much shame around it too, you know, took the words right out of my yeah, mouth. Absolutely. I mean, just in my own personal experience, like shame around like my body, not being able to hold on to this yeah. baby. And then like after my miscarriage, the situation I was in, I couldn't talk about it. Like it wasn't something I just literally had Ugh. to suck it up and continue on with my day. Like nothing was wrong. And it was, I wish I would have had tools like this just to know, like I did my own right. ceremonies and stuff like for myself, but like just to be able mm -hmm. to talk about it without there being shame. And then when I didn't get pregnant again, I was like, okay, what, like it really messed with me for a good couple years mm -hmm. uh, in that relationship. And even, you know, I know just from knowing you that you have a ring that you wear yeah. for, for your, your babies. And you, can you talk about the importance of that? Because when you told me about that, I was like, Oh my God, I need to do something to honor. Right. Him. Like he had a name. He had a, he was, he was here for three months. He didn't make it, but he was here yeah. and that soul and spirit was with me. And like, that's, you're telling that story about why that's so significant and, and other cultures honor that. And for some reason we don't. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Too. And it's actually one of, one of the exercises I talk about is creating some piece of art or wearing or, you know, something that's tangible. So I was just talking about what's intangible. Um, and you've got these, these empty arms and empty heart. And so having something that I can carry with me. So I had three miscarriages that I know of. And so I chose a, a ring and I, I found this ring in a, actually in a catalog and someone suggested I call the artist because I had this vision of it needed to be blue stones. And so I had this ring made with these three blue stones and those are my, my three babies. And give, giving something solid, giving something tangible and carrying them with you and honoring them that way is absolutely healing and important. Yeah, I think that's so important. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important that you're bringing light to this topic because like you said, women, when they're going through this, they already feel isolated now with the pandemic, you know, even more isolation has taken place, but it's, it's such a, a, a period of grief and, and, and being isolated. We all know that mm -hmm. it's not good for us. We're social beings. And to feel like you can't talk about this or share how you're feeling or, you know, and you don't know it until you actually go through it. Right. You can empathize, but like everybody's is journeys is different. Like you said, it's personal. And the fact that you're shedding light into this to, to really bring awareness and to help these women really through their journeys is, is, is wonderful. Thank you. And my, my hope is that it reaches into those, you know, rooms, those bedrooms where women are crying and feel alone with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying to figure it out and like, just trying to understand. I think that was the hardest thing for me. It was just mm -hmm. trying to understand like, and then going through the conversation okay well did I do something wrong like what like right. was it me and oh. you know like and in that moment you can't 
you just can't wrap your head around it. Right. You know, I've done a lot of healing work around it and I have a better understanding of the whole situation, the whole picture now, but it would have been nice to have a little bit of insight when it was going on. Cause I put myself through, like I said, a couple of years of just like, I didn't realize how much it had an effect on me mm-hmm. until I actually started to heal it. And I was like, Oh my God, that was like, that was significant. That was huge. And I, I didn't give it the attention that it really needed and honor it the way that it really needed to be honored. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's trauma. Absolutely. It's, tra- it's, yeah. it's trauma. And, um, and in our culture, like I was saying, including doctors and there are doctors that I really love out there, but unfortunately, including doctors, oftentimes the comment will be, well, you'll just get pregnant again. Yeah. Right. Just give it a couple of months. You'll get pregnant again. No big deal. Or let your body heal. Or even if you do get pregnant again, it's, there's a whole grief and loss. There was a whole human being here. And there's fear too, because then now you're like, what if this happens again? And that's another stress factor that doesn't really help in your, in the journey. And that's one trying of the, to conceive. Yeah. That's one of the losses for women because you never get to have this blissful, um, naive pregnancy. So it's a loss mm-hmm. because there's fear and you've got to cross certain milestones. Yeah. And women in general are already so, uh, judge like, we're hard on ourselves. We yeah. judge ourselves a lot harder than we do others. I think every human being, but women specifically, I feel like we're just really just so hard on ourselves. And then when something like this happens, you're trying to figure out what's wrong. Like Noelle said, like, what's right. wrong with me? Why isn't my body working? Why is this happening to me? And it's just, and then, you know, not only are you mourning and, and, and having to experience this loss, but then like having to then feel this guilt that maybe it was something that I did. I could have done something, you know, to prevent it. And, and why is my body not working? It's just, it's, and that's where the, the shame comes in. And then maybe not wanting to talk about it because it's just so painful. Yeah. So you, you nailed it. Yes. And there's, there's a piece of the program around, um, thinking about your body in a, in a certain way, because, so many women go to guilt and shame because you want to have, you, you want to have somewhere to blame. And so Mm -hmm. when you can't blame outside, you turn it inward and blame inside. Um, it's not the case. So I help women turn, turn that around, turn it back outward where it belongs, but it's hard to get angry somewhere where you don't know where to get angry, um, Mm -hmm. or to blame somewhere. Um, our bodies are miraculous and, um, so it's really important to, to move from that and, and not blame ourselves. Um, but that is, that is what leads to the shame that you're talking about, mm-hmm. Noel. Um, yeah. and, yeah, and diff- good old fashioned failure. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. And as you're like, saying, as a woman, I should be able to reproduce. Right. Right. No. Rather than getting angry that why was I dealt this? right? Yeah. Which is more where it belongs. Well, I got angry too. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there was definitely some anger moments yeah. in there. You went through um, each stage. I, yeah. Um, silently though, it was like a silent rage, mm. if you will. Cause again, it just wasn't a, a topic at the time I could really process. Um, so in this like work that you do with women specifically and working around um, you know, loss and everything that goes with it. When do you pivot the conversation with them or start down the journey with them of potentially adoption, surrogacy? Um, 
uh, egg donation. donation. Yeah. yeah, like when does the com- when do you, when does the conversation pivot? So a little bit of that depends if somebody's already on an infertility journey or not. Some people are having a loss, um, but it's it's not an egg issue or a sperm issue, um, and so they they wouldn't necessarily pivot. Oftentimes what happens is it's the doctor that says something about their eggs or the sperm and, and they're devastated the first time they hear it. It's devastating. They want to shoot the messenger. Um, and it's suggested it's, it's really individual, but what, one thing about this, and I talk about it is that some people feel when there's a loss or grief, you have to get all the way through it, kind of wipe it off your hands and be done and then go to hope and then go to the next thing. And I don't think that's true with this because grief doesn't work that way. It's nonlinear. And so mm-hmm. it will come at different times for different people. And it's important that I think that women can go through the grief and be excited about moving forward. Those things mm-hmm. can be held simultaneously because grief can last longer. And so the question is when to pivot the conversation. I feel like the, the woman goes there. You know, I follow them more than yeah. me pivoting the conversation. Um, and if they're open to something different or like adoption or... Yeah. And, and usually that's, that's usually suggested if someone is having like five or six repeat miscarriages that then, that then the doctor will look at that or yeah. And in like an infertility, like I never was in like an infertility program or anything like that, or, you know, went that route, but you know, I guess if someone's been in that process for so long, cause it's costly too. Like, it's not just Oh yeah. But you know, I have friends that have gone through it and I can't Mm -hmm. believe what they've spent. um, Right. It's just for this option. It is so costly on every level, emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, and financially. Um, Yeah. yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. Financially. I mean, that's something you probably have to work through too, is like deciding like, okay, is this what are we? And, and then when do you stop? Like, when, when do you make that decision? Like, how, okay, we've done so much and it's not like, when do you stop or pivot or like it, it it's just it, like, it's hard to wrap my head around. Um, it's so it's, individual and, yeah. and it's really tricky. And I also, you know, I have resources for some programs. There's you know, the Jewish free loan association. Um, there's a few different ones that provide, um, loans without interest for fertility situations. Um, and some insurances cover some of it. Um, but most, mostly it's out of pocket. And that is the determining factor for some people to go another direction Um, with adoption. Foster adoption is, um, is 
is more affordable and an, a, a route to take that way. Yeah, I have um, a friend who did that and she actually ended up with one baby and then like, I think it was like nine or 10 months later, got a sibling because uh-huh. the mom had gotten pregnant again. Mm-hmm. So they called her right away. So she actually has two siblings. Um, and it's amazing because she, she was single and she wanted a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she didn't want to, she wanted to help. You know, her, her dream was to be a mother, but she also wanted to be, to help. Yeah. And so we went through the foster care, which it was brutal. It was brutal. Cause you know, just the foster care system, definitely going the other had the parents have a lot of rights. Yes. You know, so it, it, you have to do a lot of stuff to lose your rights. Our, um, our system so, is, is oriented towards reunification. Even at all costs. Yep. At it, all costs, yeah. even when it may not be the best thing. Yeah. For the children. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, you know, and everything's fine now, you know, the kids are older, they're adopted, what have you, but it was, it, it was a journey that I don't know yeah. if everybody could take, mm-hmm. you know, well, you don't know what it's going to be each step of the way. So, so you just keep, keep walking. You just, well, how was your adoption process going internationally? Like, and, and that route, I got, I got very lucky. Mine was, um, I mean, it was, it was a heartache, um, but it was, it was nine months. It was fast. It was, it was the length of a pregnancy, which was amazing. So from the time I went to my first international meeting, um, and decided where we wanted to go, um, it was nine months until we brought him home. And that was remarkable. It was very fast. And one of the reasons I chose Guatemala was because I knew that I would be able to get him very young and that felt important to me. And so I think it makes a difference too mm -hmm. in the process and in your personal process. Mm -hmm. Um, So why do you feel all the work uh, is so connected and important to be identifying honoring and having real conversations about today? Like, why is it so important for us to be talking about this, especially today? Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's always been important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You said October too was an important month, right? Oh yeah. What is October? Yeah. October (laughs) is pregnancy and infant loss awareness month. So it's, we are in the month of this and in the online communities, everybody is very aware of what this month is. And we honor each other's babies and we say each other's babies' names and we share about them. Um, but I also feel there's an extra layer, which we already named a little bit, of suffering and isolation at this time. Yeah. Um, and the more that these issues are normalized and exposed, the more connected that we get to be with ourselves and each other. And connection is love. (laughs) We need love. That's yeah. It's weird. It's like, we don't talk about like that child, like that. It was actually something. Was it Japan that you said it's the water babies when, yeah, what was, okay. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in G in Japan, there are gods. They call them Mizu. They call them Jesus for everything there's a god it's like a protective god for your car for your food for your children for everything and there is a one called mizuko jizu 
for water babies, which are babies that haven't made it out of the waters of the womb or passed in their first year. And they have parks. They have public parks where they have statues that represent all of these babies. And you get a statue and you, you name it and you bring it offerings. And as, as a nut, when they have their next children, you grow up knowing that you had a water baby um, mm. and that you have a brother or sister, <clears throat> excuse me, that was miscarried. And, and you they'll go and play at the park and bring, bring food or offerings to those miscarried babies. And it's so, it's so interesting that there is a place for, you know, a family to go and visit their water baby. Mm -hmm. And you said it's something like, like something that you can touch, like your, you have your mm -hmm. ring, that is a reminder of your babies. And like Japan gives the opportunity to families to honor their babies. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we here in the United States, we're so disconnected to that. There's shame behind the conversations. We really don't talk about it. Right. Uh, so it's just so interesting how the different cultures play a role there. And how much more healing is that to be able mm -hmm. to say, okay, this right. was my son that lived for three, you know, three months and this was his name and yeah, his yeah. soul chose not to come all the way through, but you know, here we can honor him here. You know, a lot of <clears throat> the women will say, they'll ask the question online, you know, what do I say when someone says, how many kids do you have? Because they feel like they're dishonoring if we don't, if we don't name our babies that have passed. And in Japan, they just name it. They just name how many that they have because they count in a different, in a different way, in a different psychological way. Um, so, so it is beautiful. interesting. The cultures are vastly different. Yeah, because I think there needs to be I mean, even for myself, since, you know, we've talked outside of this and since we first had that conversation of really, you know, I have a tattoo on my back for me and my son mm -hmm. that is here right. <laughs> that chose to come all the way through. And I've never really thought about putting something to honor the son that didn't make it through. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the more I think about it, I'm like, okay, I need to do that as well. Because it's like, you know, I did the same process for him in the first three months that I was pregnant with him as I did with my other son, which is journal every day mm -hmm. and write him letters every day. And so I, I remember when I lost the baby and I was like, I don't, I don't, I didn't know what to do here. I had this, here's these stories, these journals. I, I didn't know what to do mm -hmm. with any of it, you know, and it all ended up in a little box and it's fine. I have it, but it's like, I didn't know how to, pro like, I should have kept writing. I should have kept processing. I should have kept, you know, well, should. Yeah. Should, should, yeah. Should, the right word. But there's <laughs> things I could have done. Um, but I just literally was like, okay, well, oop, that one's gone. Let's, and I, I literally was on a mission to get pregnant again. Like I was right. like, I will get pregnant again. Right. And then when it wasn't happening, I was like, yeah, it, it was this, it was this insane thing. And again, I've healed it and I've done a lot of work around it and I understand it so much more now and why the situation happened. And, you know, I'm grateful it all went the way that it did. But God, it would have been nice to like understand it a little bit more or even have like an online community to go in and talk right. to where I could say, hey, hi. I'm Noelle. Or some directed. <laughs> yes. Here's what I got going to, on. To be seen, to be yeah. seen and to have your baby seen and and honored the, in that. And honored. And the the program is videos. It's live, live videos each day. Um so I kind of 
feel like I get to be there with you or you feel it's what I would have wanted. I wish somebody would have been there to say, Hey, here's something that you can do today to. Yeah. Like give me, give me, give me something to, yeah. Yeah. Give me an idea of like burn a candle, you know, write a story, do something, you know, make art, like you said. And it's not too late. So one of the things I also say is I've worked with women that had a miscarriage today and I worked with one, you know, all in between. And I worked with one woman who had a miscarriage 57 years prior to the group she did with me and she had never processed it. And 57 years before it was even less, even less of, you know, exposed, um, than it is today. And so it's not too late to go back. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to have just been recent. And so of course you can honor that baby. And I think, I think you have a name from us talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's beautiful that it's never too late. There's never a wrong time. No. Maybe in the past, you know, you weren't able to process it because of different circumstances, but now that you have experienced, you know, all this time and, and you can look at the situation in a different, in a different light, mm-hmm. you could, you're able to process. So it's never too late to honor, to honor him, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Even like you said, your client that had this happen to them 57 years ago, mm-hmm. like now here they are and they're able to process it and really heal. Right. Yeah. Heal. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, it's interesting because I'm going to tattoo. I haven't figured out exactly what or where, but I I was thinking, I'm like, well, if somebody asked me, what is that? I'm like, oh, that's my son. Like it's, it's, it's an interesting way to like, look at it because again, it's like, we're, it's almost like the baby's not real until the baby's here, but baby's real. Like as soon as you know, I mean, I knew I was pregnant right when with both, I mean, with both, both of them, both times I was pregnant. Um, I knew right away. Yeah. Like, you know, I got told I couldn't have kids with Kiahi. So when he showed up, it was like, wow. And then when it happened again, the second time I was like, oh, Ugh. okay. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely one of those unexpected, but amazing things. And women um, connect much sooner. I mean, we, yeah. we, and if you're going through infertility and you have frozen embryos, I mean, we are connected to our babies as frozen embryos. Um, yeah, yeah, we connect. I mean, I'm sure that's a whole nother process of like, cause that's happening outside your body, right? Like if you're doing the infertility and mm-hmm. like that whole situation and like, you know, so the baby's already to a certain, from what I understand, the baby's <laughs> the embryos already to a certain point when it goes back into your body. So it's like, it's already there to a certain degree, right? There's already an embryo. There's already an embryo. So it's like some, some of the work's already done. Um, but it's, it, like you said, it's connecting and having that relationship with it before it's even back in you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's but. true. I mean, <laughs> we basically connect with an idea. We, we, yeah. we think we're mm-hmm. pregnant or we get pregnant and your hand goes to your belly. And, and, and it's not the case for every single woman. And that's okay too. You know, some women don't connect um, until later, but I would say most women feel connected right away. So if there's a miscarriage and some people will, you know, the question that comes up a lot also is, you know, well, how, how wasn't that early or how early was it for you? You're already connected. It, it, it doesn't matter yeah. how early it was. Yeah. They all get, well, especially if so. you find out right in the beginning, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it could be three months and you're like, it, you feel like you've been pregnant for nine, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. cause you are so connected with that. 
Yeah. Well, I just, I wanted to thank you for your time. And like, I, I want you to know that having you on has been such a pleasure and given how difficult this kind of, you know, journey is for every individual, you have come to a place where you are now helping others process these kinds of mm -hmm. situations. And we really just want to know how your journey led you to discovering your bliss and what advice you can offer to our listeners in healing and in finding their own bliss. Mm -hmm. I love that you asked this question. I love the name <laughs> of your, your, your podcast here. Thank you. So learning myself and living it and then helping people ride, ride the waves rather than pushing it back or repressing it is relief. And so living, living that relief through the difficulties and through the learning is bliss. And having clients that trust me to swim with them through those waves and help them find their relief and healing that brings me bliss. Yeah. And there's just the three words. It's like growth, kindness, connection, and then healing and health of the mind and body is, is everything. Yeah. Well, and being kind, kind to yourself, kind to others, kind of like mm -hmm. just kind, mm -hmm. you know, that can do, that can heal so much just in itself, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think that's something that it's a simple, it's simple. Mm -hmm. And we, we forget sometimes. Um, I still love this conversation. And <laughs> I, I, I personally, you know, got a lot out of it. Um, and thank you so much for the work that you do because you are really helping so many people out there. It's your guiding light to so many women, I'm sure. So thank you, thank you so, so much. much I am grateful to get to and that these women can you also me. tell us where to find you or where they can find mm -hmm. your program. Yes, move through miscarriage.com. So that's the website and the program is there. Awesome. Yeah. We will put it in the show notes as well, because I think even I probably should explore this program because I'm sure there's still little things. Let me get I it to you. Learn. Yes. And, I mean, yes. And honestly, I would like to add that I really want this accessible. And if somebody is struggling financially, reach out to me. I, I oh, want I people that. to be able to have it. Amazing. Well, thank, well, you, thank so you so much for joining us today yes. and just for being an amazing human being on this planet. Thank you this. so much. You two, totally agree. you two <laughs> incredible women. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you to Abby for coming on and really just walking us through her, um, her program and miscarriage and loss, and just how wonderful to have her as a resource to really get to understand this topic. And if you guys want to know more about her, feel free to check out our show notes. We'll have all her information there and feel free to check us out as well at the bliss project, 777.com. Next week, we're going to have Sarah Brokaw. She's actually a family psychiatrist, and she's also the author of a book called fortitude. She talks about the different values uh, that she's found across uh, women across the country. 
um, that are really important in, in aging and how to deal with, uh, you know, coming of age and, and, and all of that process. So make sure you tune in next week.